Oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> creaky voice. <laughs> you can see the creaky voice on the little spectrogram when I edit. You know, you can see the voice like going up and down. One of us, usually me, uses creaky voice, which, what's a linguistic creaky, right? Creaky voice. <laughs> Some people call it vocal fry. Yeah. That's the other yeah. word. That's. But. But. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, you can see it on the spectrogram because it doesn't look like a smooth line. It's like <laughs> ee, ooh, ee, ooh, ee, up, down, up, down, up, down. <laughs> I believe it. Pretty good. You can probably just tell who's speaking because yours would just be very fuzzy. <laughs> yes, all the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. Also, other places today. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to talk with a guest. <gasps> are you guys so excited? We haven't had a guest in forever. It's been ages. Oh I my know. Gosh. And she's going to tell us what it's like to be a foreigner in other places and also to not be a foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> podcast is getting a little bit more broad than foreigner in asia yeah well you know we want to mix it up we're growing we're growing (laughs) professional development yeah exactly (laughs) um okay but before we do that the first thing i want to do is say white we have another new patron oh my gosh big we're on a roll i'm so excited this is amazing if we like you know, did that money flip thing out of our hands, <laughs> hands to make it rain, you know, like I'm not 106 years old. <laughs> yeah. We could do that with like 25 $1 bills. <laughs> we could do that. You're right. Every month. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys know what this means? We reached our first goal of $25 a month. Woo! So we're going to do a bonus Ask Me Anything episode. We're super excited about it. Watch our social media for that. We'll put up a chance for you to ask us questions or you can email them to us. And soon we will have an Ask Me Anything episode where we answer the anything. Which comes at a perfect time, might I add, because, Big, you're about to return to Nepal. I know. I'm so excited. Okay, we need to get to that. But first, we need to thank our patron. Yeah, what's her name, Big? Uh, Our patron's name is Ocean Child. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she is a street dog. And street dogs are friendly, but slightly mangy. And they are the (laughs) cutest animals in Nepal. We are so excited, Ocean Child. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ocean Child. And I really like, Big, that you just kind of like launched right into the description of a street dog. Like, <laughs> thank you, Ocean Child. We value your contribution so much. You are a street dog. Slightly mangy. <laughs> okay, if you guys don't know, our different Patreon tiers are different animals of Nepal. So it's not... Totally out of context. I guess I should have explained that. The important first. part is Ocean Child, you are very lovable. Yes, super lovable. The most lovable animal in Nepal. Yeah. We're not saying you need to go wash your hair. Mm-hmm. And on one day a year, you get to wear a little flower necklace and get a little tikka <laughs> on the dog celebration day. Incredible. But yeah, seriously, thank you, Ocean Child. You're amazing. You are. You made it all possible. Yep. Okay, um, can we go back to talking about me now? Yeah, the important uh, thing. <laughs> no, but um, I want to talk about our weeks, and I want to tell you 
about my life right now because I am just like a week out from going back to Nepal. Yes. And it's nuts. I can only imagine the craziness. It doesn't feel real. Like I've been in the U.S. for so long that I just can't really like fathom Nepal. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really remember what it's like to live there. Definitely going to have some culture shock when I go back. Also, I 100% have this huge ginormous problem called closet amnesia. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like trying to pack for Nepal, but I don't remember what I already have there. <laughs> yes. I made my roommate at least like tell me what shoes I had there. And there were at least three pairs I forgot. Ex- I mean, I think I only have four <laughs> pairs there. So three of the four pairs I forgot existed. And I was like so excited. She's like, you have these jelly flats. I was like, oh my God, I love them. <laughs> but I'm afraid that's going to happen with all my clothes. Like I'm going to bring all this stuff back and be like, oh, I already have five pairs of pants. Yeah. I didn't need that. Yeah, it's a shame because I don't think that Moon... Or she doesn't know where all of your clothes are. Oh, they are hidden yeah. under my bed in storage. It's like impossible for her to reach them. Yeah. So as much as she's tried, <laughs> like, I would have been wearing Vig's clothes, but I can't find them. <laughs> <laughs> Should have made them easier to access just for her borrowing needs. Yeah. It's just gonna be like Christmas when I get back. I'm gonna be like, ooh. <laughs> Well, that will be really fun, though, to take out, like, the trash bags and the those, like, zip-up Winnie the Pooh bags. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going to be good. Everything's going to smell kind of musty. Mmm. Delicious. Delicious. Wow. That's my life, just preparing to travel in all the ways that we talked about last episode. Yeah. 40. My trip is 40 hours. Ugh. 40 hours. <laughs> well, I mean, last episode, we uh, talked the talk, and now you get to walk the walk. <laughs> exactly. Just wish me luck. I hope I don't get coronavirus in Singapore. Well, <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> At least I wasn't planning to travel through China, dude. That would be... Yes. I mean, I hate traveling through China, so I wouldn't anyway, but... <laughs> I feel like But yeah, Singapore has never felt dangerous. That's just rude to like take that away from us. I know. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but we got some sirens going on. I am currently in Long Beach, California, and while it is a delightful city, there are also commonly things like sirens <laughs> and the heroin needles like the one my friend ran over in her car and had to get the tire <laughs> fixed. <laughs> That's a big needle. I, I guess so, yeah. Her Oof. car really was going for it. Okay, um, I want to hear about your week now so that we can get to our guest. Yeah. Tell me everything. What are you doing? Okay, so if you can't quite conceptualize Nepal, I can like 100% conceptualize Nepal. Like I am <laughs> in it really deep this week. So I've been back from the States for a couple weeks or for a week and a half or something, and this week was my first full week back in the office just working. So that's fun. And then this is the weekend right now. And I jumped straight into going to a wilderness first aid training. Wow. It starts on Sunday and it goes five days through Wednesday, full days. Like we got there at nine and we left after four yesterday. So I am in it. It's me and one other friend and um, there's 22 Nepali trekking guides who are also taking the course. And that's like who it's designed for. Mm-hmm. But we also, since we go out into the wilderness, into the villages and stuff, then we need that kind of information too. But 
Anyway, it's just super interesting because it's, yeah, it pretty much is like us and we're like two white girls and then <laughs> 22, 22 year old Nepali guys who are, you know, just beginning their trekking careers. Big and white, big and white. <laughs> oh my gosh. Really though. But it's really fun though because the, my friend who I'm going with, she hasn't been here for very long. So she, her Nepali fluency is just not up there yet. And so the um, I told one of the guys leading the course, you know, I was like, can you make sure that it's actually in English? Because the guy started out just straight in Nepali. Oh, no. <laughs> and he was talking about, you know, like how to do CPR. What is first aid? Like all of this detailed stuff. And I'm like, um, well, my friend can't really speak <laughs> Nepali. Can you maybe make sure that he's doing it in English? But he still switches back and forth between English and Nepali. You got to get that good code switching in, man. I tell you. Yeah. So as a linguist, it's really fascinating for me. Mm-hmm. But it's across town. It's in Tamil. <laughs> and I've been picking Tamil. my friend up. Tamil. <laughs> in Tamil. <laughs> I've been picking my friend up on my little borrowed scooter from Indy, and it's oh, a gosh. tiny, tiny scooter designed for the streets of Japan. <laughs> and um, and the streets are empty. It's a Saturday morning. We could go as fast as we wanted, and the scooter maxes out at 41 kilometers an hour <laughs> oh, gosh. on a flat road. So I'm like, come on, man. That's what, like, maybe 26 miles an hour, 24. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so frustrating because it feels like you could go so much faster and then it's like, just, that's Hurry. it. <laughs> that's it. That's as much as it's going to give. That's funny. Well, you know, good to push the limits sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Living dangerously. That's right. I love it. Well, um, should we get to our guest, White? Yeah, I'm Randy. I'm so excited. Okay. So welcome to our guest. Say hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. Uh, what's your name? Seagull, we've decided. Okay. And why is your name Seagull? Uh, I live at the beach, and I like birds, and have worked and do work with birds, although I don't work with seagulls right now. Okay. So, uh, you guys, the reason that we wanted to have Seagull on the show is, well, twofold, actually. One is her current amazing job that has to do with birds, but also has to do with... <gasps> language what did we find the perfect guest (laughs) i mean we did because she's also like an amateur linguist and is constantly texting me about linguistic things (laughs) (laughs) but also she has done research overseas sort of like we do only instead of with people it was with biology (laughs) with terms (laughs) i was gonna say with animals but i actually don't remember exactly what you did shorebirds with shorebirds there we go more birds so fun okay so seagull i want to hear first let's talk about the research that you did overseas so tell us where you lived and kind of what you were doing uh yeah so i studied abroad in costa rica and i did I mean, it was a whole study abroad program with multiple courses and some language learning and all of that. But I did my own research project on shorebirds and foraging in both sandy shores and the mangroves. So I compared their foraging preferences uh, between like 12 different species. Yeah. 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 In a very small fishing village. <laughs> very, very small. That's amazing. So were you, did you live in the fishing village while you were there? Yeah. Yeah. I lived with uh, a woman 
and her two kids and her husband Yanni was out to sea as a fisherman for all but one night I was there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's a super small town and she's I guess the one they send all the vegetarians to so I live with her. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, do you know how to cook without meat? Good. You get this white girl. <laughs> yeah. She was the one. She was our shining star. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, what was it like living with that family? Um, It was interesting. I mean, she was really nice, and you could tell she had hosted a lot of people, so she was, um, I don't know, I guess she was really good at bridging the cultural gap, much better than we were. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But at the time, the kids were, uh, they were like, I don't know, like 12 and 14 or something. So the perfect age for kids to be to not want to interact with you, which was a bummer. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, tell me what you like. And the boy would just be like, "Mm, Vin Diesel. Like. Okay, thank you. But <laughs> oh they gosh. spoke no English. Like that town took French as a second language oh, for reasons. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was specifically to kind of, you know, not let the American culture in too much since I was where all of the uh like resorts were being built too. Oh, so And yet Vin Diesel made his way in. <laughs> he was dubbed and he was great. <laughs> Yeah. So it was, it was interesting and fun. And while I was there, there were like tropical storms and hurricanes and like our, my, my host aunt, her house flooded. So the, the host student with her had to come live with me for a few days because her, everything she owned was in water. Oh my God. Which I guess she was used to. So <laughs> she's like, normal. It's nice. Yeah. She's like, that's why we don't own fabric things. And I was like, no wonder you live on benches. That's great. Checks out. <laughs> Fishing village yeah. life, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's that to live in the tropics. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so how was your Spanish when you were there? Like, could you get along pretty well or? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, coming from L.A., we know more Spanish than we think we do, I guess. Or I guess we're, <laughs> we we assume we know more Spanish, and then we meet people from other parts of uh, the country, and we're just like, oh, you don't know this basic word. How uncomfortable for you. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think we went there, just like all of us from California, pretty much kind of comfortable with Spanish. But while we were studying abroad, doing the coursework portion, we would hike with these locals that didn't speak any English and their whole job was to just like take us around and when they saw an interesting flower stop and try to explain it to us in Spanish but slowly (laughs) and that also counted as our language learning that's cool yeah it was immersive yeah so now my Spanish is still really good with like plants and insects like I can can explain probably too much about leaves in Spanish but I don't know how easily I can get directions to an airport (laughs) Yeah, very applicable. <laughs> like, just look for this flower along the way. You'll find it. Uh, That's yeah. called domain-specific knowledge. Oh, yeah? yeah. I have that. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it was it was really interesting, and it just resulted in a lot of us kind of, not really by plan, but by just the nature of ourselves. Half the people would sit down and try to get the context of it and, like, just focus on what he's trying to say, and the other people would, like feverishly write down all the terms they didn't understand to look up later and they'd be like hey what were they saying at this one part of the hike when this person got bit by a deer flag because i wrote down (laughs) these three words we just have to like put it together it's like a puzzle it really yeah it's it was amazing you think one style was more successful than the other um I mean, I guess I'm biased because I definitely did the thing where I just tried to get the context and hope someone would show up with the words later. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you worked together. It was like a bit of teamwork situation. Yeah, it was definitely, um, uh, yeah, it was beneficial to both parties, but I don't think we really were grateful for the other 
part too much. It's like, oh, why didn't you pay all the attention? I only paid half the attention. <laughs> but it was good. So in Southern California, obviously we have like a lot of Mexican and Guatemalan Spanish influence. Mm-hmm. So was it hard to transition to Costa Rican Spanish? Uh, well, luckily, and I think it's like pretty commonly known if you like look into the traveling books and things like the tricks and tips for Costa Rica. Their Spanish is really easy. Mm-hmm. They they know to slow down a lot for foreigners. Like they've really they've slowed down their pace and they kind of like use more simplified not language, but just words, really common, I guess, phrasing and everything. Mm-hmm. So they're really good about that, which I'm very grateful for. But they have this like this thing where they like to embellish words a lot. So they won't say like pequeño. They'll be like pequeño or whatever. And they just throw like six little tidbits on the front of a word and if they do it a lot in a sentence, you get to the point where you're like, I don't remember what we were talking about. I'm still waiting to know what this adjective is, like what is coming. Why does this adjective have six extra syllables in it? Yeah, and you're just like, they really just went for it. Like it would it was comical at some point. That's so funny. Yeah. So they really that was the weird thing that you have to adjust to where you're like, Oh, you are still exaggerating on this one moment. <laughs> but <laughs> emphasis a lot. Yeah. So but their actual Spanish was really easy to understand and they like, I don't know, softened their accent or their accent kind of like catered more to us, maybe. Mm, yeah. Um that's nice. Yeah. But they did also I know Costa Rica didn't have a lot of, I don't know, colonizing influence through the years. Like them and Nicaragua both had like they're due to the harsh landscape, they didn't have all these people coming in and like taking over a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just got one version of Spanish and just that was it. They just interesting. They settled into it. Mm-hmm. So there's not like there's a lot of regional like native dialects, but their Spanish is really streamlined and kind of hmm. blanketed, which is interesting. nice. Yeah. yeah, convenient for foreigners. Surely. <laughs> Um, for your research that you did, did you have to work with any locals at all, or was it just you like? traipsing around doing stuff <laughs> traipsing um yeah mostly it was just me alone just kind of i don't know i'd i'd walk over to the ma- mangroves in the morning and try to see if it was high or low tide because this was all before the fancy phones and internet so mm. i couldn't just know i had to like have an almanac or something so very just, 90s i love it <laughs> yeah right so I'd, it was not the 90s but it was there yeah uh, but we um we would like walk, or we, I would walk into the mangroves and occasionally I'd run into a child on the way who was just like, it'd be like a five-year-old alone. I'd be like, are you okay? Like, do you need help? And then he'd just be like stomping on a beetle and I'd be like, no, stop that. Like, I'm just trying to like shush him away. But he's like, why are you here? But then, yeah, just mostly alone. But one time I did get stuck on the sandy shore when the tide came in too fast and I had to have a fisherman come get me. So... Like, he saw you out there and he came uh, by? I waved him over. He was on a boat. And I was like, hey, help. help me. Another white girl on the sandy shore. Yeah. Yeah, and he just kind of, he did that thing where you, like, put your, your leg up and you lean into your knee and you're staring at him like, this idiot. Like, How easy do I make it for her? Like, Please. He's like, bitch, can you swim? Yeah. But there's, like, crocodiles. So I'm like, no, I'd rather not. Yeah. If I don't have to. It's, it's pretty dangerous. I guess I'll live on the sand. <laughs> has anyone seen seagull uh, i think she made an encampment on the other side of the shore she's been there for days it would be right on brand with that part of the mangrove town there was like a whole shanty village on the way to it so i'd just be waving to the same like i don't know corrugated metal housing folk i don't know <laughs> like hey 
and yeah. like, hey, us too. <laughs> yeah, the first few days, it's stare like, what is she doing? Like, what is she trying to bring us? And after a while, they're like, oh, yeah, she's still here, still looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what did the... I don't even really know enough to even ask a good question, but what did your research actually look like? Like, what was the aim of your research in Costa Rica? Uh, good question, actually. No one ever <laughs> asks me anymore. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, so I was trying to look at, um, like, if you look at one species and you see that they're foraging in one place a lot, is it because they like that substrate? Like, the, do they like sand? Is that easier for them to get into? Or do they like the... Like the prey that's living in that part of sand. So I basically would collect data points, sit and watch. I was bird watching on the beach. It was not a bad time. Um, but I would, <laughs> yes. so I would set up these markers, like, I don't know, it was like 25 yards or something in both directions. I don't, you can metrify that for me. Mm, Metricify that. 25 meters. <laughs> Like, close to a yard, yeah. like 35 or whatever sure. but yes yeah, so i'd like put up actual <laughs> markers so i couldn't go outside of it and anytime a bird would come and i'd see it forage like stick its little bill in there i'd run over to that spot and <laughs> dig up that piece of dirt like the same depth of their bill and then i would take those bags back to a microscope and see what was in it to oh. see yeah and see if there were any correlations like oh this one species always comes up there's always this kind of crab or this one hmm. They have, like, no preference, seemingly, for prey, but they are in the mangroves 80% of the time, I guess. They might like mud more or whatever. Interesting. Yeah. So the the whole scope was to see, are we taking the time? Obviously, I wasn't there long enough to, like, really get it done, but it was to support um, research to see if, like, are we taking the time to protect the right areas for these birds? You know, like, if we're only protecting the sandy shores... Are the mangroves what they really wanted? Or if we're protecting this one shore, but it doesn't have any of this worm, is that bad? <laughs> so basically informing like what areas need to be protected to help these species survive and thrive? Yeah, just like areas or like biodiversity in an area. Because it might just, it might not be like a specific ecosystem, like to us seemingly outwardly, but mm. maybe to them there's like specific worms that they really like or places they really prefer or, or times of day even. I looked at a lot of weird data points. So yeah. cool. That's yeah. so awesome. Mm. Okay, so that was all of your exciting science stuff, research, <laughs> blah blah blah. Um <laughs> do you have any funny travel stories from your time there? Just like mishaps, adventures, things like that. I mean I'm so sure I do. And I can't remember most of them. Um, I guess most of our, <laughs> most of our mishaps were related to, if not culture shock, then just like, I don't know, being homesick and homesick for certain, I guess since we were staying in stations, like biological stations and we weren't in control of what we were eating, like we had cooks and all of that. And we had very little control over, mm. I don't know, like any part of our schedule or environment. Yeah. We got really homesick for just any of the elements you can control. Right. Um, and most quickly was food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we all, we had this like growing list of like no, no terms. Like we couldn't bring <laughs> up certain things because it was, it was like, I don't know, too hurtful or too like, I don't know, problematic in our, <laughs> in our like wantings. So we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't say the words in and out at all. Cause, cause For those of you who don't know, in and out is a hamburger chain based out of California that is very special to us. <laughs> it's 
very probably mediocre like globally <laughs> speaking but it's special to us exactly yep. <laughs> but we couldn't talk about that we couldn't even really talk about mexican food we'd be sitting there eating like the same beans and rice for like at the 35th meal and someone would be like remember enchiladas and we'd all just be like we said we couldn't say that <laughs> We can't talk about those. <laughs> it was, it got really tense with all of us, but, um, we did have partway through our trip, they gave us a survey like, Oh, how, what kind of food do you want? How can the staff around here help make your time better? Whatever. And we all wrote down like, please more cheese. Cause they were not, <laughs> I don't, they weren't putting cheese on anything. And we lived in like a dairy city or a dairy town. <laughs> so we're like, please give us cheese. We would like it. We're paying you like, pretty decent american prices for our food can we have cheese <laughs> and i don't i don't know if it was like an act of rebellion or just a complete ignorance to what cheese does but they made banana bread and melted cheese on top <laughs> <laughs> and just watched us to, to see i don't either to see if we hated them enough or to see if we were happy but i couldn't we couldn't like get an idea of their point of view so we're just like wow this is food <laughs> This is horrible. Oh my I can't even imagine what that would taste like. Not good. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. And it wasn't, I don't know, like you can, I guess if it was like a cream cheese or a soft cheese, but it was like provolone style. <laughs> Not Not good. that's amazing (laughs) so they they also just had a hard time with a lot of things they made like stuffed noodles that was stuffed with tuna with red sauce and then for the vegetarians they put like black beans (laughs) that would be awkward (laughs) it was a real hard time (laughs) i'm sure i'm so glad you made it through congratulations thank you (laughs) suffering through It was hard. Your stomach must be able to put up with everything. Uh, at the time. <laughs> at the time it was. Yeah. When you're in college, you can eat anything you want. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Costa Rica has been a few years ago now, right? So maybe you could um, tell us a little bit about what your current job is. I know it relates back to research in Costa Rica and how it relates to linguistics which is like one of our favorite things to talk about on the pod yes yeah uh so it's less linguistics and more language learning but they're related they're in the same team Um, (laughs) team. (laughs) yeah so i currently work in a research lab uh with songbirds and i i manage all the songbirds and i help assist with different research projects i'm really new there still so i haven't jumped a ton into that but i will but basically, we're using songbirds to study learning language um, and like both the genetic basis of it and also what can be done to maybe alter the brain a little bit to change how language can be learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we use uh, the zebra finches and only the males sing songs. So we can track pretty easily if they're learning from a tutor, if they're if their song is kind of limited by their their parentage and how that might be a pl- plasticity. I don't know how to phrase that in a sentence. How there might be plasticity there. <laughs> like, so like if a zebra finch learns a song at, or learns a language basically as a mother tongue versus learning it from someone who's not like they didn't grow up speaking it in the home is that basically it we're using all the phraseology from our discipline (laughs) well their heart language (laughs) Um, they 
Yeah, so it's cool. They have also a Bengalese finch um, in the lab. So there has been issue where we've had to make sure the young birds aren't kept near them because they'll start to learn a slightly different song. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And, oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it could be good because it's novel to the females, but also if it sounds worse, like if the novel change is not a good one, then it just sounds like it is a bad song. <laughs> so, so like... Do you ever have the zebra fringe, like, grow up only listening to the other, what's the other one called? The Bengalese. The Bengalese, and, like, see how the song is different or whatever? They haven't yet, because those ones are pretty new in the lab, but they have had birds um, raised in isolation, so they don't have any song with them. Oh. They'll, like, put them in a chamber and only give them a couple females to hang out with for social reasons. Um but the females don't sing, so they have no, like, knowledge of what the song is. And then they record the song and see what they try to develop and see if it's really close to the general song or if it's similar to their father's song or if it's just really on its own thing. (laughs) It's like, I'm trying here. I'm making it up. No one taught me how to do this. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's crazy because they do still have the drive. Like when it comes to early morning and the the light comes on for the like (laughs) day to night time lighting, they just start to get their little practice songs in there and they try so hard. (laughs) They like practice the these motifs so they'll like just repeat this small part of it and they'll start to like throw a flare on the end and then like really go for it and like do a flare on a flare (laughs) so is it like i mean is it kind of like if like say i was trying to learn a musical instrument but no one taught me and i was just like this kind of sounds good let's try that yeah yeah and i just i watched a talk about a guy doing the same or similar things with bats and that's what he's saying like if they just try to learn a call without any other bat around they're just like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so it's like maybe it sounds good to them but and then another bat hears it and they're like mm, no no <laughs> yeah like i don't i don't know what you're warning me about but i'm not involved yeah so how then how does what birds do relate to humans like what is the connection there uh, there's a genetic connection, yeah. So there's there's a specific gene, the fox. Oh God, I don't remember the actual gene. Like fox two p. I don't remember. I'll look it up yeah. and insert it here. <laughs> fox p two. So close. Thanks. I have a bad memory. Um, but there's this gene that they're specifically studying, and that they can kind of like turn on and off the expression of mm. and there's a, a well-known family the ke family in england where half of them had a mutation at that gene and they couldn't learn speech like they could say things a little bit and they could they had all the the like muscle ability there was no like physical issue they just couldn't learn speech it's like the, that gene being turned off in them kind of made it so their brain couldn't process language the yeah. same way other people do. Crazy. Yeah, it was just, they just couldn't get there. They can mimic and kind of like repeat after you and get there, but they couldn't get the building blocks together. Yeah, hmm. that's so crazy. Yeah. Chomsky must be delighted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> They're very rare, though. Yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, that's just so interesting that we can even see that a gene affects whether or not we're able to learn language like Mm -hmm. that's such an inherent part of being human is communicating through language Mm -hmm. and it's kind of freaky to know that you could just like not have that yeah Yeah, there's there's a lot going on with there and i mean there's also what the my lab kind of is looking at in different directions is there can be different language learning uh 
issues with, you know, autism or even like psychopathy and different ways that we can communicate. Like there's always like language learning issues there, but in different ways, like different communication learning. Hmm. And that's also in the same study realm. So they're looking at kind of how you can change the ability to learn language and how that might help people with these different, I don't know what to call these. What do Uh, we call these? Disorders. Disorders. (laughs) (laughs) So like they might be able to find a way to help maybe like a person on the autism spectrum um, who is having trouble with language, like actually help them learn it better. Potentially. And eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Them. It's like the hope. Yeah. Yeah. That is they're They're working towards it and they're trying. (laughs) That's really cool. That's so crazy. (laughs) Is there any like resources that you would recommend for people like listeners who might be interested in learning more about this kind of research? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of books and podcasts. There's a pretty new episode from the scientist speaks about birds on the brain and how they're learning language there. So Lucas can post that maybe. Yeah. We'll put a link in our show notes. So interesting. It's fun to hear about that because that's like the opposite side of language that we study, you know? I mean, we're like there seeing people use language all the time and you're like way over on the other, the biological side, like down to the genes, the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's cool because it is very, very different. And I mean, your side feels a little more fun to me. Like, ours is a very dry, dry <laughs> I mean, field, but it's you important. You hang out with cute birds. Oh, they're so cute. We do, we do. <laughs> I love them. All we have are these Katmandu sparrows that I'm pretty sure like sense that you're on the podcast. So they're like extra obnoxious and loud. Like, we want to tell you about our song. Record them. <laughs> yes. Send it to us. I'll put them in a chamber. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> you make your little finches listen to bird podcasts. Oh, my gosh. I would love to. I have all these plans. I have a lot of weird plans for them. They don't know yet. <laughs> just make sure you get the night shift at the lab and you can just, like, do all these weird things. <laughs> I mean, I have the morning shift now. No one comes until, like, 11. I've been there, like, five hours. I'm like, hey, everyone. So glad to see you today. I'll be on my lunch break. Bye. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you. I'll be gone eating and then I'll leave two hours later. Thank you. It's been a good one. Okay, so really smooth transition. I, earlier <laughs> I mentioned that Siegel is my amateur linguist friend and she's always texting me about linguistics and language. And it's fun because she lives in LA where we mentioned there's a lot of Spanish and stuff, but there's like tons of languages here all mixed, you know. So she has friends that speak Arabic and all this stuff. So she just messages me and be like, um, you know this one sound in Arabic? Can we talk about that? And I'm like, oh, yes. Pharyngeal. I got you. <laughs> um, it's it's a seven. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a seven and a three. Yeah. <laughs> they use the numbers seven and three to represent them when they write them in Roman script because mm. we don't have letters for... It's a pharyngeal and the velar fricatives. Mm-hmm. Can you do either of those? Um, the velar is and the pharyngeal is can you do it i can't do it at all but it has like a uh, it sounds uh, more bubbly than you would think uh, it's like, probably, like, it, like it's down there somewhere and you're like so how? far down there yeah. i don't know i can do that freely it's very weird feeling to do it it's beautiful i love hearing it but i can't like i don't know how Produce i can control it. my body to do that regularly yeah. <laughs> 
so funny. But yeah, you were for a while learning German, right? Mm Because you were hoping to move to Germany. Yeah. And in theory, I still am. (laughs) In practice, I need to find a a place to fit it into my schedule now that I don't commute in my own private car because that's when I did it. But yeah, Mm. I was learning German by tape because I love Germany and I want to live in Berlin one day. So how did like what was your experience learning by tape? I've never tried learning a language (laughs) that way. It's it's good. It's way better than the other, like how we would learn in school, like looking at books and then watching things and just hoping it comes out of your mouth at some point correctly. Because <laughs> uh, it, it's like a lot of callback and it's like, now you tell him that you went to home. And then you're like, uh, I, I went to, but. So you talk to it when you're in the car? Yeah. So I'd be sitting there trying to speak German to it. But my biggest problem was that my brain, if I was tired, which was almost always on my drives to work, it would just like automatically start to do the like call and answer in Spanish. It's <laughs> <laughs> like default to your best second language. <laughs> yeah, it would just it it really would. They'd be like, my brain was like, now speak the thing you don't speak to tell them the thing, and I'd be like, okay, <laughs> and heard, I would just jump into Spanish. I've had several people tell me that your first non-native language is hard to learn because you're trying to separate. Mm-hmm. You know, like for us, that would be English and Spanish, right? Yeah. So you're trying to separate those two in your brain. And then your second non-native language is also hard because you're trying to separate, in your case, German and Spanish. Yeah. Your brain like can't separate those. And then after that, your brain knows how to do all the separating and it's so much easier. <laughs> so straight to Mandarin. I guess I'm ready. <laughs> I, I body Congratulations. Ready. Thank you. <laughs> you're taking a big step up in the world. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really believe that because it's true. You really like your brain is just like, now do the thing where you translate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not enough information, though. So just go with that. <laughs> I feel like I have a hard time because Spanish and Nepali have really similar vowels, mm-hmm. but I feel like German would be really different, but I guess it still happens. Yeah, I think the the big problem is that like all the small words in German are other small words in Spanish. Oh, no. <laughs> so like, like, C is like she or it's yes or if in Spanish. And then it's like two and so and like all these like little auf and <laughs> like little, the little short yeah words the short particles. little words yeah. just all mean other things so half the time i'm like oh wait over here it was like a pronoun and over there it's like i don't know some other thing entirely i can't think of a good example <laughs> yeah well in in nepali and spanish they both have the word yo but in spanish it means me and in nepali it means this mm. i always like i start and i'm like yo <sighs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Me or an inanimate object? <laughs> in LA, it just means like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's in English too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yo, what's up? I do feel like the thought of you learning German while commuting around LA, like that's a whole mood. Like sitting in LA traffic, <laughs> learning German in your car, like that is a strong statement. I feel like. It- yeah, I mean, everybody else is like, oh, my gosh, please just go get onto the interstate, please. <laughs> yeah, there I definitely um, if I was running late and I had to rush, I couldn't do German that day because I would if I'm like doing the German learning properly, <laughs> then I'm just staying in one lane going whatever speed that lane is. And I'm not really thinking about getting there. Mm-hmm. So if I was actually trying to like, oh, I'm running late, but I have to send this thing out or whatever, I'd be like, oh, I can't do both i'll crash you can't concentrate (laughs) yeah or just i'll stop completely listening and then i realize this person's been speaking to me in german for like 20 minutes and i've just been like (laughs) so focused on lane changes i just am i have to go back a whole chapter like well that day didn't work (laughs) 
But I mean, it was pretty fun. I would recommend trying to learn language by the recording because it it really breaks it down and it gets you like forced to think about the whole context and like the word order, which is the hardest part for German Mm -hmm. easily is like how to structure sentences so weird. Mm. Um, So it really makes you have to stop and do it a lot. And if you're bad at that, you just redo the same lesson the next day. Mm. You just keep going until you're a little better and you can try to figure part of it out. Yeah. And you get to hear it so much. I think that would help a lot too, like with your accent. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And I liked, they did have, um, for theirs, they had a couple like voice actor people and it sounded to me like they all had different German accents. Hmm. So like it was, it was a nice retreat when it was, I don't know, someone from the North or Berlin versus like Bavarian German is r- way more difficult. To- yeah. They have r- a really big difference between different German varieties. Yeah. Yeah, they they really spread the accent more than we think they do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so have you visited Germany since you started those tapes? Have you, like, tried your skills out with real people? I have, but the the Germans aren't great with my German. <laughs> I went back. Yeah, I had been learning it for, like, I don't know, almost a year when I went back this previous summer to go to a wedding. And they either, most commonly, they'll see that I'm struggling and immediately just start speaking English. It's like, well, let's just get back on track because I don't have time for your language learning. But they also, I don't, they just seem so bad at uh, adjusting to any, like, bad accent. Mm. So you would say a word that you were, like, sure was good enough or fine, and they would just stare at you like, that's not a thing. (laughs) And you would say it 30 times, and they would just, like, not... Yeah, like, like not try to guess like, oh, that's weird, but maybe you meant this other way. Yeah, because I feel like we do that here. But maybe, I don't know, maybe if we live somewhere a little more like remote and away from like a bunch of different languages, we would just be like, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. But here we're like, let's dive in. What are you trying to say? <laughs> White, do you feel like that would happen in Arkansas? Like if a, some, a foreigner, I'm using like the Nepali <laughs> way of talking about people who aren't from here. <laughs> um, but if someone came to Arkansas that, you know, English wasn't their first language and maybe they had kind of a strong accent, do you think people would like try really hard to understand them or would they just be like, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> honestly, they would, where I'm from, super rural area, Northeast Arkansas, they'd probably do that to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> stare (laughs) if we stare they'll leave (laughs) i do seagull is my dialect reference friend because we grew up in the same town and she's basically lived in southern california her whole life so like i have a lot of other influences from living in portland and from living overseas so sometimes i'll message her and i'll be like how do you pronounce this word or would you say this (laughs) because i want to find out is this my dialect or did i learn this like some other place (laughs) Yeah. I do think, though, sometimes our parents have a big influence on it. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially, I feel like usually the, your mother has more influence. And if I think about the way my mom talks, I'm like, oh, yeah. But there's differences. I mean, there's generational differences, too, because like, I'll say something that she doesn't really get, or she'll use a word that I would never, ever use, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like it's also who, I think, who you spend a lot of time with, like, mm-hmm. especially if you go to school with people. Yeah. Um, so you kind of mentioned before that maybe you were planning to move overseas. Is that like the end goal with all of your German learning? Uh, I mean, I would really like to. I have looked up and researched PhD programs there and things I can Ooh. do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would really like to. i got to get some other people in my life on board with that. <laughs> That's fine. That can be done. Um, I mean, all the beer there should draw him. <laughs> not great though <laughs> what they're known for is their weak point um, yeah i mean 
I, I think it's a really cool place. And I just, uh, the culture was really neat. I particularly really love Berlin. Like I've never, uh, it's just so perfect. But I've also on our second trip have opened up to Amsterdam as a possibility. Mm, so that would be good too. So open-minded. Um, <laughs> now but, I have two European cities available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just, I, I like a culture where you, you bike around and your work-life balance is better, but you're still, I mean, I'm, I'm a hard worker by nature. I would still work hard when I was there, but I just don't like the the work culture here and how much I have to work. And I feel like I'm always in work or on my way to work or on my way home from work mm-hmm. or like recovering from working. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it would be, it'd be really neat to move there and kind of try a new try since I've been in the LA area for ever, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything about moving overseas that like scares you or that makes you feel like actually maybe or that would be hard or? Um, I mean, the hardest parts would just be seeing family and just trying to come back occasionally. But even then, like my mom and sister and my sister's kids have moved to Texas. So I still mm-hmm. have to trek to see them. Right. And my dad travels enough. He can come to me for a while. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just. Like I would, I would miss family, but a lot of my friends have kind of branched out and I don't know, would probably be more excited to take a trip to Europe than to come home. To see yeah. me at this point. So. <laughs> like I don't want to drive on the 405, but I will yeah. fly to Germany. <laughs> I mean, there's trade-offs there. And no one wants to be on the 405, let's face it. But yeah, I mean that mostly. And then I'm also vegan. So eating gets difficult places and I'm kind of in like a, a sweet spot for that here. Yeah. yeah. LA is a pretty good place to be for a vegan. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to go to a place and not find like a vegan option. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, excuse me, what? Ew. Why are vegetables everywhere? <laughs> well, I think personally, we kind of hope that you end up living overseas. <laughs> And I feel like you would also, like, find friends that you didn't even know that you had when you're like, hey, I'm moving to Berlin. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I want to come to Berlin. Is it okay if I come and stay with you? (laughs) I feel like we have that with Nepal often. You know, it's like, dude, I don't know you, but, like, I'll give you a guest house recommendation, I guess. People coming to Nepal often to hang out with you guys, just, like, bopping in town for a weekend. I mean, I've had a lot of people visit me. Wow. Yeah. Not as much as like I said at one point, I was like, well, I might do grad school in the UK. And suddenly my entire family was like, hey, we're going to come and stay with you. And I'm like, excuse me, you <laughs> never said that about Nepal. I've been here for three years. But OK. Oh, speaking of which. What? It's my Nepal anniversary today. Today? Right now? <gasps> today. Happy Nepal I've been here three years. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Congrats. Anyway. This podcast is always going to lead back to me. Good. As it should. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of leading back to us, our final question for you, Siegel, (laughs) is um, has listening to our podcast changed or informed your thoughts about living overseas? In part, yeah. I mean, it seems you guys make it seem like it's completely doable. Yeah. Like the, I don't know, limitations or challenges with it are kind of they're on the table and you're honest about them so it's really cool just to hey up front this is going to be difficult this won't be you're gonna laugh at yourself for even thinking that was a problem (laughs) so i mean it's really nice to see the perspective and see like well my friend's done it and she survived and i feel like la to berlin would probably be a more seamless transition (laughs) than wherever the eight places you moved 
before you moved to Nepal to <laughs> Nepal. So, you go, oh, that was like way nicer and more heartfelt than I expected. Oh, I alternative, alternative answer. Uh, I really wanted to move there and I listened to you guys and you made it sound terrible and I'm shutting it all down. <laughs> I'm going to work in a warehouse in LA for the rest of my life and die. Perfect. Great. Perfect. <laughs> That's our goal with the pod. That's what we like to hear. We really just want to discourage people from ever leaving mm. their home. I mean, mm-hmm. we yeah. want to seem special. <laughs> you yeah. are. You are. <laughs> Too many people move overseas. Well, we won't be cool anymore. <laughs> I mean, if I have a Lonely Girl in Berlin podcast, you guys can come on it. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh, good. I love it. But only in person because I don't know how to figure out all of these logistics. <laughs> yeah. I showed up at Siegel's house. I was like, okay, so we're going to record on your phone. Um, Do you have a pair of headphones? Um, Can I plug this in? Um, And she's like, I did not know there was tech was going to be needed for this. Like, I mean, should have let you know you had to supply all you, the recording equipment. You asked someone in 2020 to have something with an audio jack and not a lightning plug. And that was hard for me. I guess I felt like you would at least have it like still in your drawer from 2000 you know nine <laughs> 2009 <laughs> I, I should have said like 2015 but i started with 2000 I 2015 <laughs> i mean i did i found these things you did yeah you had it it made it work they're pretty good i love it cool well um white do you need to go yeah um i think i'm gonna have to leave the rest of the podcast to you guys okay but seagull thanks it's been absolutely amazing me and the pigeons and the doves and the sparrows of katmandu (laughs) all say hi and we wish you the best (laughs) thank you thanks for being a guest thank you thank you and enjoy your day that you're just starting now As it's evening for us. All right, guys. Okay, well. I'm going to do a quick long goodbye, okay? Bye, Wyatt. Okay? All right. Okay, I got to go to first aid training, okay? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> all right. All right, great, great. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye. Enjoy the we're, segment. We're bye. We're going to say goodbye. Okay, bye. 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 Okay, so Seagull, this is your moment. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. You get to transition from being a guest into a guest host. Boom. <laughs> because now White's not here. So you automatically got upgraded. This is how I climb a ladder. <laughs> yeah, right. Just me. wait for someone to leave. <laughs> yeah. I just wait. And then I jump right in just before. It's good. I love it. <laughs> okay. So um, do you know what it's time for? What is it time for? Our segment of the week. And that is? We're about to find out. So, um, White recorded this for us a long time ago, and I have no idea what it is, so we're going to listen to it together and just enjoy. (laughs) And now a word from this week's sponsor, your friendly neighborhood vegetable seller. Next time you plan to make that tasty vegetable side dish, don't plan on actually going to the store. Just wait for that sweet sing-song voice to waft through the window. It came, vegetables came, tomato, onion, potato, cauliflower came, it came, tasty vegetables have come, tomato, onion, potato, cauliflower have come. Mm, music to my ears. When you hear that sound, simply rush out your door, down the stairs, and through your gate to catch your local vegetable seller. Or you can even yell out your window for an even easier experience. Thank you, neighborhood vegetable seller. Buying vegetables has never felt so easy. 
<laughs> wow. Thank you, uh, local neighborhood vegetable seller, for supporting the pod. <laughs> so, in case you don't know Seagull, there are these people who walk around selling vegetables and other things. <laughs> and the way that you know they're coming is they yell exactly as White demonstrated. For they us. yell, it came. Yeah, it came. It yep. feels very biblical. I know. <laughs> it does. It, it has come. It is upon you. Welcome it. Welcome the cucumbers. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's pretty funny. My friend and I always like to talk about what would be like if that existed in the US. <laughs> Especially if you lived in a suburb. Like, that would be hilarious. I, just like, but, I mean, the ice cream man has really been doing it for years. That's true. You're right. That's He's got about the song. It. Yeah. What if instead he just like yelled, ice cream? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> ice it cream would be has come. way less creepy. That's true. Than like a lone truck with a creepy little <laughs> bell song just easing down the streets looking for children. <laughs> I've heard that in some countries, the trash trucks have a song like that and some ice cream. Wouldn't that be so disappointing if you, like, ran out all excited and they were like, give us your trash. What was, oh, do do people wait to give them trash? Is that the part, like, are they summoning people or is it just like a jingle they provide? <laughs> Pretty sure they're summoning, but maybe they're just <laughs> being friendly, trying to get people to like them more. Sorry, we smell and we take away all your problems. Here's a tune. <laughs> I mean, they're already doing God's work. <laughs> Truly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was uh, studying abroad in Chile, there was a garbage people strike. Garbage collectors. Yeah. That's what they're called. <laughs> garbage person strike. <laughs> garbage people. Yes, there was a garbage collector strike and it was terrible. There was like a month where there was just trash everywhere, like, it was just piling up on the streets. And it really makes you appreciate living in a country with organized services is yeah. good. We could all be New York City. <laughs> just <laughs> bags of trash everywhere. So Victorian. <laughs> so glorious. <Yep. laughs> Crazy. Do they bring little carts, these vegetable persons? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, is it like a... So the vegetable people, they have a big, old-fashioned, like, medieval cart with the two wheels. <laughs> and it's flat. Uh -huh. And it has all the vegetables on top of it. And okay. they, like, wheel it around. And then the fish guys are on bicycles. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> yeah. And the fruit guys are usually on bicycles, too. I don't know why fruit and vegetables are different. But they usually have, like, two baskets on the back of their bike. And they're full of, like, you know, oranges or other fruits or whatever. Hmm. But, yeah, they all use a special voice. It's, like, the announcer voice. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, did you have, like, the people that would get on buses in Latin America and do the thing? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I remember... They do that in Nepal, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Nicaragua, they'd come on and be like, and just, like, walk yeah. up and on the aisle splashing with cheese water <laughs> to cheese give you, like, water. wet cheese. Oh, uh, funny. In Nepal, they just sell, like, snacks, usually. Mm. Like, they'll do, like, deep-fried fish. Just, just a light snack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... People already throw up on buses because the roads are so windy. Like, huh. is that really what you want? I yeah, don't know. I, mean, I know. In Nicaragua, they did, uh... They would do snacks through the windows. They would sell you yeah, mm -hmm. fried chicken and, like, the curtido and through the windows. So you'd have to lean out and, like, lean over two yes, people to get to it. Yeah. But the grocery people, the cacique people, would come and, like, the fruit people would come on to the bus for one stop. Probably because they're, I don't know, maybe making more money so they can afford that fare. Interesting. I always assume the ones that get on the bus are, like, friends of the bus drivers and, oh. like, get a kickback or something. Like, they don't pay a normal fare. Oh, I saw them. They would pay and, like, do the round until there was no interest and get off and wait for another bus. And then go back. Yeah. yeah. 
And Nepal's the opposite. The people who get on are only selling things you're going to eat right then. And then out the windows you can buy, usually you can buy snacks and water, but also they'll sell you like fruit or whatever. So if you stop at like, especially if you stop at a station where there's a bunch of stands, Mm -hmm. people will run up and you're like, do you want some groceries? And a lot of you will actually buy that because like in Nepal, if you're going from the South, which is tropical, they have a lot better produce, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're going up to Kathmandu, that's higher elevation, right? So people will bring, they're like, I'll go to work and someone will be like, you guys, I bought a bunch of cucumbers from the try, which is the jungle area. They taste amazing. Do you want one? <laughs> Love that. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I mean, that's not unlike if you go to San Diego to like breweries or like the wild animal park, you're like, oh, I got to go find an avocado house. And you just start <laughs> driving through residential. Like oh, there's going to be an avocado sign. I'll see it somewhere. Like there's going to be someone selling three pounds of avocados for $2. That's so true. You do it. It's the same thing. You're so right. It's gold. <laughs> it's gold. Uh, I would love tropical fruit fresh from the jungle. Perfect. Lucky duckies. A delight. (laughs) Well, uh, Siegel, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. I'm terrified to hear myself. Let's do it. It's going to be delightful. You'll get used to it. I promise. (laughs) For five minutes, you'll be like, I hate this. And then after a while, you'll be like, I'm so funny. (laughs) I am the best. Or if I'm not, I'll just be like, who edited this? Yeah. Clearly, uh, Big <coughs> did a terrible job and made me sound like an idiot. She hates me. <laughs> I do. I hate you so much. <laughs> well, do you want to help me encourage our listeners to follow us on all the social medias? Yeah. How do I do that? Where are we sending them? Uh, well, you got to go to Instagram. Okay. That's our best one because millennials. I do love the photos there. It's nice. Yes. Uh, White is in charge of that. She does a great job. She's killing it. We also have a Facebook for you boomers and mm. others. Me boomers? <laughs> no, you all oh. listeners out there. Oh. Yeah. The royal y'all. That's right. <laughs> royal y'all. <laughs> uh, we got an email. You can email us mm. at bigwhitepodcast at gmail.com. You can help us reach our next goal on Patreon if mm-hmm. you would like. Just find that on the internet. And that's it. It's perfect. I need to follow you on more places. Yeah. You should get a TikTok. <laughs> oh my gosh. The kids say it's fun. I can't go that deep. I just can't. <laughs> I've never been to what a TikTok is and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I've seen people like talk about TikTok videos on YouTube. That's my only yeah, connection too. with it. Yeah. Well, one day when you guys get a YouTube and talk about your own TikTok, we'll come full circle. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly what'll happen. (laughs) Oh man. Well, we'd probably get a lot of Nepali followers if we did TikTok. Apparently they're all about it. Yeah, I believe it. I believe that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It feels right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, um, to you all listeners, thank you so much for being here, for continuing to listen. We love doing this podcast and we love that you want to hear us do it that's crazy mm. oh um okay well seagull do you think we should hang up now yeah i yeah. mean it's time let's uh, yeah. yeah i think okay. i'm gonna go okay. Okay. okay um bye okay 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 bye bye I have to have the last bye.